0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I really want to thank you for tuning in again, and I invite you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could leave a rating and review on what you thought about today's podcast, because we have an outstanding guest for you today. His name is Bali Yehia, that is Dr. Bali Yehia. He is currently at the Hopkins Medical Center. And he's the senior medical director there where he leads transformation initiatives to ensure the seamless coordination of patient care to improve outcomes, experiences, and reduce costs. He is a systems level thinker, high level, regional, national level, really focused on making sure that systems can work together as a network so that they could collaborate more instead of coordinating. And uh, he also has experience as deputy under the Secretary of Health, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. He's got a really interesting, diverse experience in healthcare. And so what I wanted to do is open up the microphone to Bali so he could round out that introduction. Bali, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks, Saul. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you here too. And, And so I wanted to ask you, what is it that got you into this business to begin with?
1: Well, I probably like many other clinicians, you really enter medicine, it's more of a, a calling as a profession than a job. And so that's really where, where mine started is how can I make an impact on the lives of people? And that kind of slowly evolved into not just individual people, but to communities and to populations. And the work that I do now is really focused at that level of how can we improve the health experiences, well-being of our communities across the, the country?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, you, you've taken that leap, sort of you've, you've got the frontline experience, but now you're, you're wanting to do it in a more impactful way. And for the listeners that are also wearing this hat, like Bali, you're looking to make an impact at the community, at the regional and national level. Today's discussion is going to be just that. So hold on to your seats. Don't answer any phone calls. This is about to get good. So, Bali, one of the things that I'm curious about thinking at the level that you are, what do you think should be on leaders' minds today as it relates to organizational issues?
1: Well, I think many leaders know that healthcare is rapidly, rapidly changing. And the way that we deliver healthcare is also changing. Our population is getting older. There's multiple... Locations and, and sites of care where patients can interact uh, with different healthcare providers, some within your system, some outside of your system. There's growing types of new care models, whether they're accountable care organizations or clinically integrated networks. So there's all this change that's occurring, and really, we still continue to be to continue to be tasked to figure it out how do we create value for our patients, how do we make sure they're healthy, they're happy, and that we are providing uh, healthcare at an affordable price to the nation and to systems. And so in order to do that, really what's been occurring over the last number of years is we have to start to work more closely together. And um, healthcare, as we know, uh, it's just as important about your genetic code as it is your zip code. Yes. How do you start to work with different organizations in your communities? How do you start to work with actually other healthcare systems, other providers, to really manage populations and really be accountable for the total cost of care and really drive well-being forward. So that's really a different way of thinking. Uh, most hospitals and different practices have, for many years, have been relatively siloed. You know, patients come into their system, they might do a good job coordinating within their system. But more and more and more, their bottom line is impacted by just how healthy their population is and how well they can improve their outcomes. And to do that, everyone really knows that you cannot do it by yourself, you have to work with others. And so really strengthening those muscles of how to work well with others is where I think successful organizations will really tap into in the future.
0: I think that's really insightful, Dr. Yahia. And you know, one of the things that we've had several guests discuss is, is this topic of population health and what is it that we're doing to properly address the communities that we serve. If you had a high level of just philosophy on that, how would you describe that in the way that you guys tackle that over at Hopkins? Well, I think
1: we need to think about, understand that communities are different and every community is different. And just as there's a movement across medicine in personalized medicine, precision medicine, really leveraging advanced technologies and targeting those therapies to the person in front of you, that same concept applies to communities and populations. How do you start to tailor interventions, care models, uh, the right members of the care team to those communities? It's not a one-size-fits-all. And so uh, really, that needs to be kind of the next phase and evolution of how do we take care of our communities and our populations? in our outpatient, inpatient, and at home and in their, in their neighborhoods is really becoming a little bit more precise, a little bit more nuanced about how we deliver their services or think about what we can offer them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fresh approach sort of taken from the precision health mindset, applying it to the community because once you get the feel for the communities that you're serving, you'll see themes and you'll see ways that you could serve them in a very precise way.
1: That's right. Exactly.
0: I love that. And so as the years have gone by and you guys have implemented a lot of programs there where you're at at Hopkins, can you think of one that sticks out as as a wow, you know, this worked out so well?
1: Well, I think, again, it's it's really getting to know the different communities that you serve and and that that terminology has many different may mean different things to different people. Uh, We might be talking about a community of elderly individuals that have certain sort of frailty indicators. We may be talking about a community of patients that are younger, but they have some sort of disability or they have end-stage renal disease and are on dialysis. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific geographic neighborhood. It could be a community of like-minded patients or, or patients that have similar medical, social, and behavioral needs. And once you start to really what's called segment that population, understand what are the needs of those different groups, you can then start to tailor very nuanced and precise interventions to take care of them. And that's where I think is really where you start to seeing the biggest impact, where you have very focused programs, interventions, approaches to really meet communities where they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's more than just the, the geographic, but also the segmented uh, uh, disease states that, that the, in the combination of social determinants that are all kind of part of the mix.
1: That's right. And a lot of folks sometimes focus on just a condition. So they might think about diabetes or they might think about developing something for people with heart failure or kidney disease, but that only really scratches the surface. So what we're talking about here is a, a layer above that, which is really populations of individuals that have similar medical, social, and behavioral needs, and they might not have exactly the same clinical conditions, but they might have maybe five different clinical conditions rather mm-hmm. than just one. And uh, groups like, once you start to create groups like that, you determine that there are certain themes that are common across that group, and you can tailor those specific interventions.
0: Yeah, super interesting. And Bali, how do you see uh, machine learning and and artificial intelligence playing a role as part of this or not?
1: Well, I think you have to leverage all kinds of technologies as we move forward. The era where a face-to-face visit is the only way that you deliver care is really has gone, has passed us. We need to think more about how our patients can engage with us and how we can engage with them. And I think thinking it through ways that you can actually provide those both through individuals, different layers of practitioners, from nurses to doctors, but then also maybe in more automated or machine AI type programs as well. So I think those are um, more on the forefront but are an interesting way to think about how to make sure that you can you're able to provide access to your patients when they need to.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it, just that the theme here is is flexibility in your approach, and open mind to collaborating. And you've done a lot, and you've launched a lot of programs, Bali. Can you think of a setback that you guys had at some point, and the pearls that you got out of it? Because a lot of leaders at the forefront doing things that you're doing, you run into things that work and don't work. And one of the huge values of the podcast is sharing those things that didn't work and what you learned out of them.
1: Sure. There's a couple things that I think are lessons learned. I think one, you really need to start with a shared vision. And the work that we're talking about involves multiple people, and those people or stakeholders are not always within your institution. And so it becomes a little increasingly harder to make sure that you understand what are all the views and what are all the expectations of the different stakeholders or partners that you have. So I think that's a very important lesson especially since academic institutions or large hospitals tend to be a staple in many of the communities. They have a lot of employees. That doesn't necessarily mean that they should have the strongest voice uh, when it comes to improving the health of of populations. So that's really one of the big lessons learned is to come to the table, um, make sure that you have the right people on the table, and make sure that you develop the right shared vision as you move forward. And I think as part of that, you start to think about how do you develop the right governance structure? How do you develop the right venues to bring up ideas and to start to move things forward? Like I said, the motion is really towards not just working together, network, or in a coordinated way, but to really start to collaborate or cooperate together, integrate different services. And that really starts to take it up to the next level of how you can deliver effective therapies and to specific groups probably the last thing that I'll say is um is about aligning you know aligning incentives and making sure that you have both financial and non-financial and so those tend to be really good catalysts or tools to help groups kind of meet their goals and so if the incentives are not aligned even though the the vision might be the same you might end up having issues across your stakeholders
0: yeah that's really insightful and oftentimes i think it's the blocking and tackling that gets lost with the shiny new initiative right that's right yeah, so as you, as you as the listeners, you know, you look to implement your programs, be sure you don't forget these crucial basics that Bali just shared with you. Make sure that all the stakeholders are sitting at the same table. Make sure that all of the incentives are in line because at the end of the day, you don't want to lose all the hard work that you've done to get this program implemented. I think it's such a great message. Can you share with us Bali a time where you've experienced just like ultimate success, just something that you're proud of in your medical leadership career? It always goes
1: back to, for me, when you're sitting down around the table with patients and they tell you, this impacted my life. I mean, those are the stories that I think drive a lot of, a lot of my colleagues, a lot of people that are probably listening, those nuggets of thank yous for what you've done, or you see how lives have been transformed because of the different work that we've done. So those are most meaningful. By my clinical background is in HIV. And uh, I've had more than I can count a number of really uh, great experiences from my patients where really their lives have been changed because of some of the ways that we organize ourselves to meet them where they are to deliver care. And so I think that's probably the most uh, gratifying. And the goal, I think, of any institution or organization that that's in the healthcare space is to really maximize those. And like how can you deliver those sort of experiences that are transformative on the regular? And thinking about This is the whole concept we have here is how do we get more personalized in our approaches so that we really are being as nuanced and tailored and, and meet people where they are.
0: That's really great. Thanks for sharing that. It's pretty cool that that HIV is your focus. I did not know that. So that's a really interesting fact about you. Thanks for sharing. And we're all sitting here and it's very highly likely that you're healthy and you're listening to this podcast and you're not thinking of this from the lens of a patient. Maybe you're taking care of somebody in your life, an elderly parent or a grandparent. And I think what Bali just mentioned is super important. The physician goes through a lot. The physician has a very difficult job. At the end of the day, your physician's human and they like to hear a thank you. So take a minute to thank your physician today or the physician that is helping your loved one because boy, that is the spark that lit them to do what they did to begin with. And that is the spark that helps them keep going. Wouldn't you agree, Bali?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: So like take it from Dr. Yehia here. He's spilling his soul. And the reason why he's doing this is because he is moved by it. And so thank your physician today. That's the quadruple aim today. <laughs> Let's make sure to include you guys and gals into the gratitude circle. Now, thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, and, and so maybe share with us a little bit of uh, an exciting project you're working with on today.
1: Well, you know, we're at Hopkins, most of the healthcare system is in the state of Maryland, and and it's a unique state. It's called the all-payer state. It's pretty much the whole state is a demonstration under CNS, and uh, all the different payers from Medicaid to the privates actually pay the same, and the hospitals are more and more responsible for what's called the total cost of care for populations. And so this experiment has been going on now for the last couple of years, and we're continuing to evolve of all the work in that state so it's actually very exciting because some of the principles that we've talked about of value based care and population health are really playing out in that state some for good some for bad but there're definitely lessons to be learned that could be applied across the country and so that's really exciting for me to be part of the team that's really thinking about really how can we take care of the entire population not just those that walk through our doors How can we continue to care for the communities that surround our hospitals? And really also the next kind of number of months and and years as part of this different demonstration project is how do you start to bring in different parts of the healthcare system, group practices, long-term care facilities. And so a lot of that is really exciting is to see how how do we start to line up all the different pieces of the continuum all the way from outpatient, inpatient, long-term care, and rehab care together to be managing populations and also be jointly accountable for that total cost of care. So a lot of that work is really now in planning in the state. And so I'm kind of excited to see how we start to execute against those goals.
0: That's fascinating. And you guys are definitely ahead of the curve there because if the nation takes a turn for this system, everybody's going to be calling you. So, what are you going to do when your phone is just blowing up <laughs> with all
1: the calls? Well, you know, we're number one, I'm happy to take calls. <laughs> um, too though, a lot of this stuff is, I think, a lot of leaders across the country, they know this stuff. It's just uh, getting the system kind of organized in a way that allows you to achieve those aims. So I think if you talk to anyone from New York to California to Alaska and Florida, they're all about improving outcomes for their patients and they're all about making sure that they're delivering excellent patient care experiences. And I think many people understand the the value proposition. So that is not the hard sell. I think it's more how do you organize the system to help meet those goals. And right sure. now all the way that the system is organized and how incentives are are structured and how we're going about the work doesn't always align with those goals. Mm -hmm. So we have to continue to innovate and to change and to come up with different ways to organize ourselves and to better care for patients so that we can achieve those. And I think there's experiments in innovation across the country where there's different bits and pieces of this. And hopefully we'll take the best practices and lessons learned and be able to come up with a couple key models that will help us uh, sustain us in the future because we definitely need to do something about kind of how we are delivering healthcare and how we're financing healthcare today.
0: Yeah, Dr. Yehia that's so on point. And listeners, take some notes here and listen to these thoughts in a way that you can implement them as well. But at the end of the day, it's the things that you do with what you hear That make a difference and so Dr. Yehia you guys are definitely uh, paving the way there at Hopkins you too with the things that you're doing your thought leadership so appreciate you sharing these nuggets of wisdom my pleasure let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine the 101 or the ABCs of Dr. Bali Yehia so (laughs) we're gonna write out a syllabus here with our lightning round four questions followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners you ready sure Awesome. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think
1: the best way is to stay focused on what your patient and your communities need. We really need to understand what does health look like uh, for them. And many of the things that we think are important are not important in our, our patient or communities' lives. So I think that's uh, really the most important is to think about make sure that you're measuring and you're working towards the right target. Because sometimes what clinicians think is not always what patients or our neighborhoods and communities need.
0: Awesome. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think the biggest mistake is really
1: the concept that you can, it only takes one person or a small group of people. I think healthcare is everywhere from transportation to availability of grocery stores and healthy foods to being able to walk safely in your neighborhood to exercise. So, really, we need to kind of continue to expand and, and keep our focus that health and all policies is very important. It is not just the actual delivery of medical care that's important. It's really all of this combination together uh, that creates a healthy society.
0: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think change is what allows people
1: to be fresh, be new, be on the cutting edge, and I am, embrace that. And so I think continuing to experiment, explore, Creating space for your organization to do that in a flexible manner where individuals are able to bring up ideas, uh, you're able to kind of try out different things with, in a very supportive environment and culture, I think that's really important. Innovation really create, happens when there is room for innovation. And so organizations need to create those spaces, that culture to allow that to occur.
0: Great message. Last question here. What is the one area of focus that should drive everything else in your organization?
1: And I think it goes back to what I had said before in the business of healthcare, which is taking care of people and communities and populations. And so that needs to continue to be true north
0: throughout. Strong. What book would you recommend to the listeners?
1: There's, I don't know if there's one book, but I think uh, I've always been impressed with Good to Great by Jim Collins, yes, and um, also kind of along the same lines of talking about change, of leading change. And I think those um, are really, there's a lot of key lessons there that could help many organizations as they go through this very different environment that we're in today in healthcare.
0: Great recommendation. And listeners, don't worry about writing any of that down. This syllabus, as well as the show notes, are available to you all under one page. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash yehia. That's Y-E-H-I-A. You'll be able to find everything there. And so this has been so much fun. Time flies when you're having fun. We're here to the end. Dr. Yehia, can you just share one closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could follow you or reach you? Sure, I think it takes a village to continue
1: to drive forward positive change in healthcare. And I just wanna encourage folks to continue to think, to innovate, to talk to patients, to get out there in their communities. And that's really where a lot of the ideas come from. Be positive, many of my colleagues, including myself, didn't get here by ourselves. It's through support from mentors and people that open doors. And so think about who are those individuals in your life and thank them and, and how can you pass it on to others. And so I think that's very important to kind of continue to train the next generation of, of leaders in healthcare. And folks can follow me on Twitter at B-Y-E-H-I-A.
0: Outstanding. Really great message. Bali, this has been so much fun just kind of going through the awesome things you guys have going on there. I'm excited for the listeners to take action off of what they've listened today. And so just want to send you a big thank you.
1: Well, thanks again for having me, Saul. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast.